Happy New Year, you guys. I I am just filled with gratitude and with joy. Sorry, I'm lifting my lines up because it's a beautiful day. It's, you know, good old 7.50 in the morning. I probably should have started this podcast episode after I did that, but here we are. I'm trying to just not take things so seriously, not be... I mean, I, I don't think I've ever been really a perfectionist, but I just like things done a certain way. And I'm just trying to be a little bit less like that because then I really don't show up as my true authentic self. I Things feel too curated. And 2023 is just the year of just doing it, doing what feels right for you, not trying to curate things, not trying to be this other person. Like I'm just ready to just be myself. And I really think this past year with all the ups and the downs, like I kind of said on my Instagram post, just forced me to turn inwards. And I mean, it forced me, meaning like I literally had no choice because that was the only way I was going to stay sane. But I was just, I went through so many like low lows where I contemplated moving, breaking up with my boyfriend, starting a new life, moving to Europe. Like, (laughs) I don't know if anyone else says this, but when I am at a low or this year, I guess, no, yeah, this has happened before. So whenever I just feel like I'm stuck or I'm stagnant or I don't know what to do, my default is to pick up my life and change everything and just cut everyone out. And not cut everyone out, but just like start fresh. So if that means like breaking up with my boyfriend and moving to and being an an au pair in like Greece or Spain, like that's what I'm gonna do. So, I mean, I've never actually done that. This is just like the thoughts that go through my head. But... Instead of acting on those thoughts, I I knew intuitively that that didn't make sense for me at the given moment. Um, and plus, I don't want to break up with my boyfriend. I don't want to move. I like my apartment. I like my lease. I like where I live. So I just filled my day with other activities, whether it was because staying at home was just too... It wasn't good. Like it, it When I would stay at home for too long, it would just feed my negative thoughts. So I would... I joined hot yoga, um, and hot yoga is pretty expensive. I pay like one sixty a month, so I wanted to make sure, and I get unlimited classes, so I wanted to make sure I was getting my money's worth, and making sure I was going to at least like ten or twelve classes a month. Um, I, for one month, I did join a cryo membership, which I was documenting um, before my second account got disabled, but I just needed that extra push to focus on self-care and because when I was alone and my thoughts they were such negative thoughts I had to go do something I had to either immediately journal and write out what I was thinking I had to go to hot yoga I had to go for a bike ride I had to go to the ocean like I live in such a beautiful place and there's so many ways that I can distract my mind I can go for a walk and like look at palm trees I actually did pick up drawing again I used to love to draw I used to love to play music um and I, I started just sitting and looking at the houses and I'm a sucker for Spanish looking houses. I think they're so beautiful and just sitting and drawing them, like sketching them. And that, I'm like looking back and I'm really proud of myself for doing that because not many people can say that they can build up a platform or, you know, use that platform to build their business and then it gets shut down twice nonetheless. Not many people can say, that's happened to them. And so it's really hard. 
but we're back. We're back. The universe, God has my back. I know that there are bigger plans. And I will say I'm very thankful for my family too and my boyfriend and my friends because they all it constantly reminded me that that there was a bigger plan for me. So yeah, that's just a little hopefully that just energizes you or inspires you or I don't know, maybe maybe you feel stuck right now, maybe you feel stagnant. And I would say my message to you would be just dive deep into self-care. It's worth it, you're worth it. You're worth every penny. Get a massage, get a facial, do some yoga. And if you don't want to pay for hot yoga or pay for massage facial, pay for a little massage gun. They're like 50 bucks on Amazon. Give yourself a massage. Um, Go on YouTube. It's free. YouTube some yoga with Adrian or move with Nicole Pilates. Those are great, two great YouTube people that offer free workout classes. And get yourself a $6 journal. Journal the heck out of, you know, your day, journal your thoughts. It's really life-changing. But yeah, that's just a little intro into the new year. Like this is the vibe for the new year and I'm super, super excited. But without further ado, I promised you in an episode, like an FAQ or like a QA and a episode on vaginismus. So that's what we're doing today. Today is all about vaginismus. I'm going to answer every single question that I got in my Q&A box and probably add a little bit more info. Um, And hopefully this is a good comprehensive episode on vaginismus and answers all your questions. All right, so let's talk all things vaginismus. I'm on a walk, so there may be some background noise. I'm going to try to avoid it. But yeah, I just figured I'm not going to sit in my room when it's beautiful outside and I could go for a nice quiet walk, even though there's some construction, so it's not the quietest but hopefully you hear me just fine. So I have my questions up. I'm going to answer each and every single one of them. The first one, and remember, this is all about, like, this is a Q&A for vaginismus. The first one is, should I adopt a center healing mindset versus having penetrative sex for my husband's benefit? Center healing mindset on own wellness versus have penetrative sex for husband's benefit. So this is tricky and I honestly can see I have two perspectives here because one perspective I want to be like he can suck it up and he can wait you know you're on your healing journey do what feels right for you what feels intuitively right are you at a place where you know you have the tools and the resources that can help mitigate that pain help reduce that pain and kind of alleviate that pain and discomfort sorry during intercourse or you at a place in your healing journey where the thought of penetrative sex is unbearable, your body isn't ready, you're tensing up, you're guarding, you're holding your breath, and it's just not an enjoyable time at all. So you really have to ask yourself, which person are you? Are you in a place where you do have the tools that help you mitigate that pain? Maybe it's not pain-free, it's not completely comfortable, because obviously if it was, you wouldn't be asking this question, that's when I would maybe use my tools and resources, breath work, um, open communication, maybe using, using some dilators that are about his size if you're up to that size yet before sex. Maybe shortening the time of sex or maybe doing something like hand job, blow job, getting him going. And then if he really wants to go in, he can just finish in with the condom or something like that. You know what I mean? There's a lot of different ways that we can have sex, but I understand that 
not everyone wants to just do oral stuff or outer course. They want to have intercourse. So that's kind of how I would approach that. I would really ask you, what, where, where's, where is your head at? What does your intuition tell you? Do you think you can try it? Or are you really not at a place at all where you can try it? And is he open to more outer stuff? You know, that's what I would answer. That's my answer for that. The next question is, I've had it and worked through it, but sometimes it comes back. What do I do in those moments? So this is a great question. And I tell a lot of people to, sometimes it can come back based on a, you know, a life event, like a transition, a move, you know, work stress, family stress, a breakup. Like sometimes when your body holds on to stress, it then kind of manifests back into vaginismus. And that's just a, a body response. So I would say when it comes back, take note, take a mental note. Why is it coming back? Can you pinpoint any reason, any sensation, any feeling in your body that you're experiencing at this time? And then I would use your tools to help overcome it. So, and this may be a time too where you really tap into your intuition and you're like, this is, this is a time where I need to tap into self-care. I need to book those massages. I need to spend more time alone. I have to journal in my room alone. Like I need to spend more alone time and calm my body and get back into that rest and digest that parasympathetic nervous system state. Cause that's really where our body feels as when we feel rested, when we're upregulated, we're anxious, we have a, you know, we're super stressed, our body can't heal. And it's probably going to perpetuate the symptoms we're experiencing. So that's my recommendation for that question. The next question, is it seriously mostly the nervous system as the cause? Same goes for vulvodynia. So it really depends, to be honest. I would say 50-50, but it also depends on the patient. Because I've had patients where maybe 90% of their symptoms were nervous system and 10% were actually a physical problem. And then I've had the flip where it was 90% were more of a physical problem 10% was really mental health where they were like, no, I'm very calm. Like I'm not stressed. I I feel good, but my body just hates me for some reason. So it really depends on a lot of different things. It depends on the person. So it's not always that case for someone. The next question, treatment won't stick. I've been in PT for nearly three years. I do well until I don't anymore. Do you have any advice? So this is kind of tricky. I've had very few patients that have been in PT for that long with me. Um, And with patients like that, so if I was working with someone like you, I would be taking more of a coaching perspective on your vaginismus. So it really does boil down to every single piece of your life. So What is your work life like? What is your relationship like? What's your family life like? You know, how do you take care of yourself? How do you manage your stress? How do you manage your anxiety? So I would want to address all those pieces first. Like, what's going on there? Then I would also seek alternative therapies. So have you tried acupuncture? What are your periods like? What are your hormones like? Because sometimes hormones can affect pelvic floor muscle tightness can affect tissue sensitivity. I would ask, have you tried anything like massage therapy, craniosacral therapy, meditation, 
Um, I would ask about alternative therapies. I would ask about psych therapy. Are you talking to someone? Counseling? There's something else. Oh, and then even a step further, have you ever looked into if you feel like it's not your, you know, outside life, it's more physical, like there's physically something that's not responding to treatment, then I would say, have you looked into Botox? Have you looked into trigger point injections? Um, what are other therapies that providers have offered? Have you looked into lidocaine cream to use with dilators or with intercourse? Not that I recommend relying on lidocaine cream, but it can be something that's helpful during therapy. And sometimes that can help last because you can get a better stretch with that cream without hurting yourself and your body responds really well to that. So I hope that helps. Um, It's a very difficult question to answer um, because I don't know more about you and your life, but I would take more of a coaching perspective. I would seek out alternative therapy. I would want to see if there was anything maybe like Botox that we could look into and see what someone like a PM&R, which is a physician medicine rehabilitation, what perspective they would take outside of physical therapy, pelvic floor therapy. The next question is, the dick just won't enter my vagina. How to cure this? Ah, (laughs) so I would say step one, girl, try perineal massage. Perineal massage is when you massage the opening. Is there seriously a helicopter going over me right now? Bruh, it's literally a Thursday morning. There's no reason for this. A perineal massage will help relax the opening. Dilators will also help relax the opening. Highly recommend using dilators to prepare your body for intercourse. Start small, work your way up to your partner. I have a guide on how to use dilators on my website. You just go to drsabrinabaxter.com. You'll find where I have different resources and PDFs on how to use pelvic floor tools. Next question. Is it possible to heal without dilators by regulating your nervous system on a deep level? So I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Um, Not really my scope of practice. I've never heard of someone doing that, but I wouldn't doubt it because the body and the mind is truly an amazing thing. Um, I don't have experience with helping people do that. Um, I mean, I've, I've worked with people that haven't used dilators, but we've done other myofascial techniques, other manual therapies, other kind of massage work. Um, maybe I do internal work or maybe we use pelvic wand. Maybe we just focus on, focus on abdominal tightness, but for your question specifically, just doing, you know, nervous system retraining on a deeper level. Not really my scope, not really sure, but if you're into that stuff, which I mean, I'm into that stuff too, but if you're really trying to heal yourself through that, you may want to work with someone who is more of like a spiritual coach, meditation coach, life kind of coach like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not hundred percent sure. Next question. Is it common to have pain burning at just the entrance of vaginismus? Yes, absolutely. Very common. A lot of people report that. I like to say, try a perineal massage that can help really relax the tissue. A perineal massage doesn't feel good. It usually feels like burning, stinging, but with sustained pressure, that pain should subside. So if it doesn't subside, then we may want to figure out why that is. 
You can also use dilators to help with the opening pain. You can use um, a lidocaine cream to help numb it, and then you can stretch it that way if the burny stinging is just not fun for you or not ideal for you. I've done that with a few of my patients. We use some lidocaine cream. It helps numb the area. Then we do some stretching from there. Like I said, lidocaine cream isn't something that I want people to rely on, but can be a useful tool, especially when people have very, very stubborn symptoms of burning, stinging, that, and it, they don't really tolerate therapy very well initially. But I will say too, if you are having burning pain, itching sensation, nervous system, like nerve sensations around the opening for a long time, like greater than three months, and you feel like therapy is not helping or what you're doing isn't helping, I would recommend looking to a vulvar specialist because maybe you have something like vulvodynia, vestibulodynia, pedendal nerves, involvement. It's always important to rule that out in my opinion. The next question is, is a common side effect burning or singing? Yep, literally what I just said. Perfect timing with this question. Yes, it is. Specifically around the opening too. Next question. Does any penetration count as vaginismus or is there a severity frequency threshold? Um, so, I mean, the thing with vaginismus is it's all about an involuntary muscle contraction, meaning like you can be ready for penetration, but your muscles just kind of spasm up, they tense up, and then you can't tolerate penetration. Whereas overactive pelvic floor is more so your body has tighter pelvic floor muscles, but you can relax them. Like you have the ability to relax them on command. So there really is no, I wouldn't say, I mean, I would say people have more severe cases of vaginismus and more less severe cases of vaginismus, but it's not like you have to present this way severity wise in order for you to have a diagnosis of vaginismus. And also I do have people that experience situational vaginismus. That's a thing too. And that can mean that, you know, there's periods of your life where you experience vaginismus and there's periods that you don't. So it's not something that you have to have had ever since you started having sex. You can acquire vaginismus and it can be a situational thing. Let's see. Is the burning feeling normal? Does it have to do anything to do with the hymen? So depends on the structure of your hymen. Um, there's different types of hymens. So I guess take a look at yours. If it is, you know, imperforate, or you have two, or maybe you have a, a large flap covering, like skin covering the opening, then that would definitely be something that your gyno would have told you. Um, so if you've been to your gyno and they ruled that out, they cleared that, that's fine. And if you haven't been to a gyno yet, I highly recommend going to a gyno to rule out any structural abnormal, uh, abnormalities with your anatomy. But if you have done that, then I would just assume that it's more vestibular, like opening burning or perineal burning. Let's see. Oh, I have a three-part question here. If you're able to get pregnant with vaginismus, can vaginal delivery be typical? Or could vaginismus cause issues for a vaginal delivery? If a typical vagin vaginal delivery is possible, could it cause more issues post-delivery? So... You can absolutely get pregnant with vaginismus. Actually, when you're pregnant, your body releases more of the hormone relaxin, which helps relax your tissues, your ligaments, your joints. So usually people, when they have vaginismus, they actually feel like their pelvic floor muscles ease up with pregnancy. So 
pregnancy and vaginal deliveries are a-okay because your body is producing more of that hormone. And on top of that too, if you are being proactive about your health and you're stretching, you're mobilizing that tissue, doing things like a perineal massage at 34 weeks, you are also assisting in further stretching of that tissue and assisting in having a more optimal vaginal delivery. So I do not think that vaginismus will cause major problems with the vaginal delivery for that reason. Um, but it is a myth that getting pregnant will cure your vaginismus. You can, and I have worked with patients that have had vaginismus after giving birth, because when that hormone goes back to baseline levels, your muscles can get as tight as they were prior. But I wouldn't necessarily say it would cause more issues post-delivery, unless it could if you had something like a tear or some kind of birth trauma or injury where there's muscle guarding on top of that previous diagnosis of vaginismus. But again, I'm just gonna say, if you have vaginismus and trying to get pregnant, work with a pelvic floor therapist. Get in there, work with one, make sure they're supporting you during your preconception journey, during pregnancy journey and postpartum journey, 100 million percent. Okay, who can diagnose me? A Oh, this is so tricky because not I well I wish I could say a gyno will diagnose you, but a lot of the times they won't. But if you suspect you have it, sorry about that. If you suspect you have it, see your gyno, tell them you think you have it, see what they say. If you don't like the response, just seek out a pelvic floor therapist and see what they say. But if you have it, you probably are correct and but you may not have vaginismus. You may have some degree of tight pelvic floor muscles. And like I said, the difference between that is with tight pelvic floor muscles, you have the ability to relax your muscles. Whereas with vaginismus, your muscles involuntarily contract. So you have less ability to relax them on command when you want to. Last round of questions. So the next question is, does vaginal pH have to do anything with why intercourse is so painful? I would say it only does if you are someone that has a history of recurrent infections, whether they're yeast infections, UTI, BV, just because infection can cause inflammation. And when there's inflammation, it can cause muscle guarding and tension. So if you have a history of recurrent infections, you definitely want to get to the root cause as to why you're getting those infections in the first place. Um, look at your diet. You know, I have a bunch of posts on infection management and kind of getting down to that root cause. There are a lot of functional tests that I feel get more to the root cause, like a GI map test can see if you have overgrowth of yeast in your, um, in your gut, which could be contributing to recurrent yeast infections. Um, you could always, you would always want to work with a urologist to rule out if you have an embedded UTI, if you keep getting recurrent, um, UTIs. Um, so getting down to the root cause of why you're getting recurrent infections, because infections can absolutely affect your pH and that can absolutely affect how your muscles respond to the infection. Next question. I don't know where to start. I have been in a relationship for three years and we haven't had sex. So I would say kind of take the information that you've heard so far in this podcast episode and see if you can apply it. You know, look into more regular stretching. Yoga is a great way Honestly, yoga has changed my life this year. It incorporates mobility, flexibility, mindful movement, and meditation all in one practice, and breath work. It's such a way to 
practice mindfulness. It's really so great. Um, so stretching mobility is super important. Um, the perineal massage, depending on what your symptoms are, dilators could be helpful. Pelvic lung could be helpful. I do have a course on overcoming painful sex and it's like, if you go to my website or if you go to my Instagram page, my TikTok page, the link in my bio, and it's a very comprehensive course explaining different symptoms and what to do about those specific symptoms. So I'm really proud of that course. And I know the people that have gone it so far have seen great results. And I'm telling you, the reason why people see great results from that course or from listening to my content or other public board therapists is because you are educated. When you are educated about your body and you're understanding why something is happening to you, why your body is responding this way, why you're experiencing the symptom you're experiencing, and you understand what to do to make it better because you're educated on that, people are more likely to get better. An educated patient is a patient that's going to take their health into their own hands and take control of their symptoms and truly change their life. So really recommend utilizing the techniques that we've talked about in this podcast episode so far and looking into my overcoming painful sex online course. Is it possible to have vaginismus if you are a virgin or do you just need to be stretched out? Yes, of course, it is completely possible. People definitely can have vaginismus when they're a virgin. Um, that's usually actually when it's identified. That's usually when people recognize, okay, something's wrong here. They're hitting a wall. I'm trying. I feel relaxed, but it's not working. So absolutely. Sometimes people, like for me, for example, I didn't tolerate the first time well, but then as I kept doing it, I'd start tolerating it better. So I didn't have vaginismus, but someone else may keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, they're unsuccessful, they're more likely someone that's going to have vaginismus. Okay, last two questions. What if you can get a couple inches in without the pain, but it won't go all the way? So you would definitely benefit from a couple things here. Do you have a retrograde uterus? If so, that would be ruled out by your gynecologist. If so, that may decrease the depth of your vaginal canal and something like using the O-Nut product can be helpful. Um, using dilator, if that's all muscle though, or that's tissue that's kind of in the way, dilators can be helpful. Pelvic wand can be helpful. Again, I would talk, I would see your gyno, rule out anything. And then if they say nothing's wrong, everything looks good. I would look into my course and help yourself with that because that again is going to give you very specific information on specific symptoms and sensations that you're feeling and how to overcome those. And then the last question is relationship between vaginismus and hypermobility connective tissue disorders. So this is a great question. I have only worked with a handful of patients that have connective tissue disorders and hypermobility and the diagnosis of EDS. Like I've worked with people that, you know, they suspect they have EDS or they're confirmed they have EDS or they for sure have hypermobility connective tissue disorders. There is absolutely a connection between pelvic floor dysfunction and even vaginismus or dyspareunia, which is painful sex. Because a lot of the times when your joints are unstable, your muscles will compensate. So your muscles will be overactive because they're trying to keep you stable. They're trying to keep you in alignment. They're trying to keep your joints together so you don't dislocate. So that's why a lot of the times people that have hypermobility and connective tissue disorders 
have some degree of pelvic floor high tone, um, overactivity, and can experience things like vaginismus. The treatment is pretty similar to what I've been talking about with, of course, individualized tweaks as for everyone, but especially with someone that has a connective tissue disorder, because we want to work on strengthening certain muscles and lengthening other muscles. So if you're someone that has vaginismus, we're going to work on lengthening pelvic floor muscles and probably strengthening muscles like the glutes, the hips, low back core so that we create a nice strong foundation and your pelvic floor isn't compensating for all the weak joints, the immo the hypermobile joints. Does that make sense? So essentially we want to, we want to lengthen what's too tight and we want to strengthen what's too weak because we want to create the perfect kind of foundation for you to function to your, you know, be, be your best self. We want to make sure you're everything's functioning the way it should. So we have to kind of figure out what's compensating, what's not working the way it should be. And we go from there. So I wish I could kind of give like this blanket, this is what you do to treat it, but it really depends on the patient, what areas they are weak, what areas they are too tight and overactive. And then that's what I'm going to treat in pelvic floor therapy. I hope this podcast helped and it answered all your questions on vaginismus. If you have any other questions, feel free to DM me, shoot me an email. Um, I really hope that this gives you some clarity and gives you some hope and inspires you that you will overcome your vaginismus. It is a hundred percent curable, hundred percent. So I have faith in you. Trust yourself, trust your gut, trust your intuition. You will overcome this. You will change your life for the better and you will have magical sex. That's what I'm manifesting for you. Love you guys. And I'm really excited for the next podcast episode because I do plan on doing more of these Q&As about specific topics in the future. So have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon.